great future. We're talking real money. One thing that has really changed over the years about investing is the cost. Fees and expenses have been compressed dramatically. As a matter of fact, just before I started in the industry over 30 years ago, the typical commission to buy a mutual fund was 8.5%. Today, commissions start at about 5 and 3 quarter percent and if you take advantage of breakpoints they can get down to zero and then you just have a 12b1 fee that pays the brokers so fees have come down when the first fee-based advisors started out the typical fee was two and a half to three percent per year for accounts a million dollars or less Today, there are still two, two and a half percenters. There's one, three, I think. You know, if you want to look at a lot of the big firms' fees, you can go to talkingrealmoney.com. Go to talkingrealmoney.com slash help, and I have a, a fee comparison. Uh, but the rule these days is more like one to two percent on that first million or first half a million dollars. That fee has gone about as low as it can go and there still be the kinds of services you want offered. And that's the rub. We expect when we're paying someone a fee for service, we expect a high level of personal service and, and, and you deserve it. But how low can they really go? Can people really manage accounts for nothing? course not. That's not a good business model. Giving it away doesn't work. Google doesn't give away searches. They have a price you pay, and that price is your privacy and your data. And those ads that get served up to you. When you watch television, yeah, it kind of feels free if you're not paying for cable, if you're watching over the air, but you pay through the advertising. A price must be paid for everything. And you can't really, if, if an advisor is getting paid some other way, then you've got to be suspicious of the advice, which is why I so love a fee-only model. But we at our firm went as low as we thought we could go at nine-tenths of a percent on the first million. Yeah, there was one guy out there who was very, very vocal for a long time. Actually, he's not doing it anymore, um, who was saying, yeah, even those at 1% are charging you too much. But it was curious. Even he was playing a little fast and loose with the truth. Um, his fee was, I believe, and I, I'm going from memory because his, uh, his information isn't online anymore, but I believe it was under half a percent a year which is a very fair price. And you're thinking, gee, how's he making money if you're in the business? But you see, his minimum fee was about $10,000 a year. Well, <laughs> it's half a percent at $2 million, but it's not half a percent for those accounts at a quarter of a million. It's much, much higher than that if he's charging a minimum. And that's one of the little tricks. So you can shop for lower fees you might find them but bear in mind most of the time most of the time 
there's a catch, and you have to pay for what you get. I mean, when we offer free meetings with our advisors, we do that as a service to everybody who listens, but not as a business model. It doesn't work for us as a business model. If we managed your money for free at Vestory, uh, we would be out of business, and that would be bad, and we wouldn't have a radio show or, or a podcast. So what we do is we kind of found a happy medium. We can give some free advice because we found that enough people determine that they really need help and they're willing to pay for it because they think it's worthwhile to make that work for us and we don't charge ridiculous fees. If you look at our office, you can see that we're very careful. We don't have mahogany paneled walls or marble floors or you know, uh, $10,000 stone logo work on the wall. Ours is made of wood. So, uh, so just bear that in mind that, yeah, fees can go lower, but they can't go too much lower or the service you receive is going to start to suffer. Have questions for me, for us? Um, call them in at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, or send them in at TalkingRealMoney.com, TalkingRealMoney.com, and just use that contact form because that makes it really, really easy. And you can send it via voice or you can type it in either way, like this. Here's the topic, IRA to Roth, IRA conversion. My free Vanguard advisor told me that I got his award for the best saver he'd ever experienced. I have more in my traditional IRA than I expect to use at my age of 66. My projected RMD, required minimum distribution at 72, is more than I expect to spend. After listening to IRA guru Ed Slot decades ago on Bob Brinker, I had planned on my heirs inheriting my IRAs and hoped they would maintain them as an inherited stretch IRA. Now, thanks to the SECURE Act and someone's greed to tax and remove them from their tax-deferred stretch IRAs, I am considering Roth conversions. Now, I'm going to pause right here and give you a little, little information, though. Remember, you still have a 10-year period over which those taxes can be paid. So while it's not over their entire life, it's still a pretty long period. I continue. I have my IRA Vanguard investments in VBTLX, VTABX, and et cetera. Uh, I, that, what, what they're in is not important. My question is, am I thinking correctly that it would be wise to trade the funds with the lowest gains, such as the bond or international stock funds? Is there a resource tool that you can recommend that I can use to estimate the amount of holdings to sell for the conversion? If I goof and sell too much and I bounce up to a higher ta tax bracket, am I allowed to move a portion back to my traditional IRA by recharacterizing a portion? How much can I convert and not suffer a large tax bill? And then he gives his AGI and uh, et cetera. Oh, oh, plus I have cash available to pay any taxes, which by the way is really important. It has to come out of other cash. There are IRA conversion slash tax tools online. The one I know of, let me just see if it, yeah, the one I know of is it's called the uh, Roth IRA conversion calculator, and it's uh, put out by Charles Schwab, and it's just a pretty simple 
calculator. It's the value of your non-Roths, et cetera, et cetera, your tax status, your estimated taxable income, and then it runs some calculations for you. There are others out there. This is just one that I'm aware of. So I would look to that as a as a quick tool. Yeah, you can, when you're doing your taxes, recharacterize back. Yes, you can do that. But this planning tool should help you get pretty darn close, if not right there. So thanks so much for the question. I appreciate it. 855-935-TALK is our phone number. And well, I think we should take a call. Hello. Uh, I have a rental property worth about uh, roughly 650000 and a balance of right around 185 and then i own my home uh it's worth roughly uh 1.2 and i owe about 300 and i'm thinking of how to kind of retire i'm 66 i plan on working four more years uh to 70 and then uh, retiring at meantime i would like to build a home outside of seattle but also I'd like to set myself up to have some income above my Social Security once I retire. And somebody told me if I got 800000 in an investment, I would be able to make 5% on it. Is that true? And, uh, you know, does that make sense? Along with my Social Security, my wife will also be eligible for Social Security when I turn 70. Uh, as far as risk goes, you know, I'm kind of my age don't want a lot of risk but not opposed to some risk i mean let's face it any investment has risk so that's kind of where i'm at um betwixt in between about the retirement however um you know it's something i need to do at 70 and probably going to want to do it by then thank you uh can That's one of those questions that's that's difficult to answer. Can you make 5% on your money? Maybe. In the past, would you have made 5% on your 800000 Probably. With just a little bit of risk, it wouldn't have taken a whole lot. But it would have taken some over time. Today, there is no risk-free 5% return. And even when there was a risk-free 5% return, inflation was eating up most, if not all of that, depending on the time period. So we have to think of an after-inflation return. And going forward, well, even in the past, an after-inflation return of 5% did require some risk. And uh, it was usually about a 60-40 portfolio. That was the minimum, 50-50 maybe, that had in the past accomplished that. So it means about half in stocks and about half in high-quality bonds. I think that that probably will hold into the future. I am of a similar age, a couple years younger, going to retire at about 70, semi-retire. I'm going to keep working because I can't stand the thought of totally retiring. Uh, And I'm figuring on my money that uh, a realistic number for me to at least have as a basic calculation is to expect about a 4% return. I think that's reasonable. I'll be pleasantly surprised if I get five or six, but I'm going to count on four. And I think that's probably what you should count on just to be safe. Sure, is five, five is a, a good possibility, but there's no guarantee. And it's certainly not going to be a continuous thing. That's why we're big fans of taking 
flexible distributions. When you have a good year, you take 5% of the total portfolio and you, you have a lot of money to spend that year. When you have a bad year, you take 5% of the total portfolio and you have less to spend that year. So you may want to keep a little from the good years. But uh, There's a lot of ways to do this and it does require a plan. And this is so important for everyone listening. This is not shoot from the hip work. You can't just wing this. You need to sit down and look at the past and consider your risk tolerance and consider your need for risk and do a long-term future budget and build a plan, which is one of the reasons why we make our advisors available to people, even if they never plan to become a client of ours, because getting that first step to that plan is probably the biggest challenge. And uh, that's why we have free appointments at vestry.com. That's about as big a plug as you're going to get from us. Uh, let's see here. Let's do another written-in question at TalkingRealMoney.com. This one is about investing. The question, thank you very much for your answer to my last question. Not sure what that was, but I'd like to see you take on two more. One, if you had $20,000, where would you invest it? Mutual funds, bank savings account, or buy some tech stocks? Two, well, let me start with one. I like to answer one at a time. It depends. <laughs> I know. Oh, how we want hard and fast answers, don't we? We want just absolute. Please just tell me what to do. We, many of us, okay, a lot of us, crave being told what to do. But there is no hard and fast answer. Now, if you're saying, you, Don, if you had $20,000, where would you invest it? I would invest it in a combination of mutual funds. Growth-oriented, value-oriented, small, international stock funds and a portion in high-quality, short-to-intermediate-term bonds. That's how I would do it. And I would use no-load index mutual funds to do so through Vanguard or Fidelity or DFA, because I have access to DFA. I'd probably use DFA because I have a firm that can get us DFA. I would not put it in a savings account unless it was money I needed for emergencies. And I absolutely 110%, okay, let's go higher. Let's say a thousand percent. I would not buy tech stocks. I do not believe in betting on sectors of the market, and I particularly don't believe in buying what has been hot. You notice I used past tense. It isn't what is hot, it's what has been hot. You don't know what is hot until tomorrow. You don't know tomorrow. So I hope that answers it. Question two, what Northwest investment firms give the best service to their investors? <laughs> Again, it's one of those really tough questions. Uh, those that are fee-only would give better service than those who are fee-plus commission, who would give better service than those who are commission-only, who would give better service than insurance agents, who would give, they'd give probably better service than brokers in banks. Um, the trick is finding the good ones in the fee only category. And that would be investment advisory firms whose fees are 
not much more than 1% at the highest end and then drop down some from there. Uh, we do actually have a list at TalkingRealMoney.com on our help page of Northwest, the Seattle area, advisory firms that we have found charge fees reasonable that, that we believe to be reasonable, who use a similar style of investing to ours, and who we believe, we can't guarantee this, are likely to be always acting in your best interest so we do we do list a few suggestions not recommendations because we can't but we think they they you stand a better chance with a few of these firms so you can go to talkingrealmoney.com slash help and find those 855-935-TALK call anytime with your questions and let's do one more call before we call it a podcast Hi, my name is Patty. I am 53 years old, and I had some money in an IRA beneficiary fund that I didn't do anything with. And then when it when uh, the market was crashing in March, I asked uh, brother-in-law what to do with, you know, that I wanted to invest. So I invested in some VTI. And so yesterday I just thought, well, I'm going to sell 30 shares of ETI and maybe go with the VT Wax uh, to diversify a little more, question mark. So I was wondering if that was a decent idea. You know, I have a husband that's going to be 65 next year. He's not going to totally retire, and I'm not looking at these funds for that, um, just increasing my market uh getting money thank you bye-bye well now you're gonna have to color me just a little bit confused one i can already tell you that the last person you should go to for investing advice is your brother-in-law but that's generally the case with everybody's brother-in-law not just yours or everybody's minister or everybody's friend from work or everybody's uh, whatever it might be whomever it might be, because you're not going to get good advice. You're just not. Now, I think first it sounded like you said GTI, and I'm not sure what that is. Then I think you said ETI. Um, the only ETI, well, I can find two ETIs, but one, both of them are penny stocks. Uh, one of them doesn't even trade, so I don't, I'm sure it's not that one. The other one is uh, a, a company out of Canada. If ETI, the thing you're talking about, is an individual stock, then uh, you shouldn't be in it at all. If it's an ETF, I have to know what the ETF was. But I have a sneaking notion it's not well diversified. And that's the one thing about VTWAX, the Vanguard Total World Stock Index Fund. It is very well diversified. And if your goal is building wealth over time and no need to take income, and you're okay with extraordinary volatility, and by extraordinary volatility, I don't mean like an individual stock, which can go to zero because the total world market can't go to zero. What I mean by volatility is the potential of about a 50% decline. If you're okay with that, Whatever that other thing you have, yeah, whatever it is, I think I'd probably sell it because it's generally brother-in-law advice. And I would, 
I would buy VT Wax, VT Wax, Vanguard Total World Stock Index. And, you know, I know I'm running long, but I was looking at the lineup of calls. And I have so many that I thought I should probably do one more. Hi, my name is Mark, and my question is I am currently invested in or uh, with uh, Fidelity and Edelman Financial, and I have some stock in E-Trade. And uh, it uh, now uh, uh, Fisher Financial or Investments, I'm talking to them to switch everything over to them. I was wondering what you thought of Fisher Investments and whether you thought they were a fair and equitable uh, company. And I appreciate uh, your time, and I do listen to short every week. Thank you very much. No. No. One, you already have a hodgepodge. You are the definition of a hodgepodge portfolio with Fidelity and Edelman and E-Trade. Um, Edelman, while they are a fiduciary firm, look at their expenses, their fees, they're high. Edelman charges a lot, as does Fisher, although you know it's both are in the world of semi-reasonable. But Fisher, don't, I would not, I wouldn't go to Fisher on a bet. Fisher manages actively manages stock portfolios, and while he no longer shares his performance, he used to run a public mutual fund several years ago, where you could see how his stock picks actually performed and. Well, it was pretty sad because there is no evidence that anyone, and I don't care how big his brain is, and you can tell Ken's got a big brain, I don't care how big his brain is, nobody can consistently beat the market. Nobody. There is no evidence that anybody can do it. And the only time there's any, there's been any academic evidence that somebody might beat the market it is nine times out of ten actually 99 times out of a hundred more attributable to luck than to skill there's just no skill out there because you have to think about it for a minute how can someone successfully predict the future it's the future you can't we think they can and ken fisher advertises a lot he does. He spends a fortune on advertising, really fancy advertising. Uh, but do we believe, do I believe? I've never believed that he can beat the market. Never believed it. I don't believe it today, and I don't believe it justifies the fees. And I really think you need to reduce your hodgepodgery and have one plan with one advisory firm, whomever that might be, whomever that might be. But I believe it needs to be someone who's, who's based – all of their work on academic research, someone who charges 1% or less on the first million dollars and less on the next million, even less, and uh, someone who doesn't believe they can beat the market, who, who just wants to, wants to get what the market gives you at a reasonable level of risk and build a plan a real plan for your 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 life 
and your investments. So that is not where I would go. Again, go to TalkingRealMoney.com slash help. If you're looking for some advisors, we have a list of them. We actually name names of other advisors that we think are more likely to treat you well than an Edelman or a Fisher. And we even show you Edelman's and Fisher's fees on another spreadsheet that I put together there. So go check that out. Um, and if any of you do want somebody to help you get started on that plan, go to vestory.com, set up an appointment with one of our advisors. It's really, truly free. You're not going to get a sales pitch, promise, okay? You can call and yell at us on the show that we do every Saturday live if anybody at our firm ever pressures you to become a client. We don't do that. Uh, so go to vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Thanks for listening. Share the podcast with friends and relatives and acquaintances because you know they're getting bad advice most of the time we just want to oh please really we wish we just we just want everybody to get off on a on the right foot and build a better future that's really truly our goal thanks so much for listening to talking real money i'm don mcdonald talking real money that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?